brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Been gone for a long time. It's time for me to bring in 2013. 2013 going to be a, ain't nothing bad luck about 13 at all. I know daddy baby girl was born on the 13th, so I'm good to go. But I'm looking forward to this a brand new year. Happy to have another year here on this earth. You know how it is every now and then. You take a look in the newspaper and you see, hey, you know, members of the fraternity of the National Football League, they dropping off like flies. So I'm happy to be here. And it matters. There's a lot that matters. What matters to me last night, of course, I, like many of you, watched, I guess that was a football game. It appeared to be that one team showed up while another team just just wasn't prepared. And it's amazing to me because, you know, Alabama, the last time they played, they dominated. But the thing about it is, you just want a competitive football game, please. I don't really care who wins and who loses, although I say that, but I got to be honest. Listen, I'm all, I got a little closet in me in terms of who I'm rooting for. I don't share that with you. But the majority of the time, I'll let people know off the air who I'm really rooting for. And I might even tell you on the air. Last night, of course, my heart was with, it had to be with Alabama. There's some ties there. I didn't say tied, but there's some ties there between myself and, of course, the University of Alabama, and that would be the man who's in charge down there, Nick Saban. Uh, I have to say that my senior year at The Ohio State University, the man came in after Pete Carroll had left and gone on, who was my position coach my junior year. Uh, Nick stepped in and did a, oh, man, I, I couldn't ask for a better coach. After I thought I left, what had left me was the best coach I had ever had as a position coach and Pete Carroll. And, and then to inherit Nick Saban right after Pete Carroll, uh, there's no doubt those two men prepared me for the National Football League, and I owe them so much in life. I, I, I could never repay them. And I, I want to thank uh, Nick for all he did. I want to congratulate him. Also saw his wife, Terry, uh, on the stage uh, with him uh, when he received that trophy. want to thank her. Of course, Terry was right there when Nick showed up in the hospital after I had been, listen now, struck by lightning. Terry showed up with Nick uh, at that hospital on August 10th, 1980, and I'm just glad that I'm still here to talk about that. But I certainly want to congratulate the Alabama Crimson Roll Tide. But I want to talk a little bit more and longer. I don't want to talk just by myself. I want to be joined by a friend. I'm going to be joined by a friend, a young man, of course, uh, uh, living here on this earth and uh, been blessed to have been a professional basketball player, of course, with the uh, Jazz and also the Spurs. 
I think Corey Crowder is on the line with me now. Corey, you there? Yes, sir, Ray. I'm here. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing great. Living. I'm down here in uh, sunny uh, Fort Myers, Florida, man, living the dream. Well, man, I tell you, and I appreciate that when I hear from somebody else who's getting a chance to live that dream. I'm living out here in Phoenix, Arizona. Couldn't ask. You know, like they say, Paradise the Valley is right around the road, so around the corner. So uh, it's a beautiful day in the valley. Let me ask you something. Did you get a chance to see any of that football game last night? I watched all of it. I enjoyed every minute. Well, I tell you what, Corey, I enjoyed it too. I was expecting a better performance from, from Notre Dame. I uh, didn't get it. You know, I think the young men gave the best that they possibly had to give. They obviously made some mistakes, but it happens like that. Sometimes you show up on game day when you are expected to play your best game and it doesn't come out of you. Well, my whole thing is, you know, I'm not a very big Notre Dame fan and, uh, I just call it like it is, and I, I think NBC and the big $5 billion contract they gave Notre Dame, they really wanted them to win. But, I mean, I'm from Georgia, and I'm a, I was a football player growing up, so I'm a kind of a SEC uh, player all the way, and I, I support it. it. doesn't matter which team to me. I just think the SEC is the best uh, football conference in, in the NCAA. Well, you know, Corey, it's going to be hard for me to uh, to agree with you on that one, but the record speaks for itself. I mean, the last seven years, uh, I think you guys have won those national championships with that first going back to that first of the first seven. Uh, of course, you guys, uh, Florida played the Ohio State University here in Phoenix, Arizona, and after that kickoff, you know, Ted celebrated a little bit too much in the end zone. I think that might have changed the game. But one thing that I will say about the SEC uh, I, I think uh, my man Damian Anderson has a show on the Voice America Sports Network here, and he talks about his show, which is Planet Gridiron, talks about bigger, stronger, faster. I think that would define, you know, the SEC if you talk about it in terms of what their advantage is. They're bigger, stronger, faster at every position across the board. Hey, Ray, I'm sorry. I forgot you went to Ohio State. Yeah, yeah I, I can't, I, I, I can't. Say that. <laughs> That's all right. Listen, we, 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 you know what we do at Ohio State University? We lend a lot of our coaches. <laughs> our disciples find their way down to your place. As I said, you heard me say, I'm sure, that Nick was my coach my senior year. Not only that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we sent Urban from the Ohio State University. We sent him down to the Florida, but we, we were smart enough. See, we brought him back home. So we got right. a little SEC. You know, and we've, we've done the same thing with the Pac-10. We sent Pete Carroll from the Ohio State University, found his way out there to Southern Cal. He built a little dynasty out there. But there's no doubt right now SEC football is the best football in terms of the conference that there is right now in America. You would agree with that, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I, I would agree with that. And I go back to what you were saying about the bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, just right now with uh, with those guys as far as Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and they're getting those kids out of Georgia, out of Florida, and then the Tennessee, and they're getting the, the, all the, I, I don't like to say five-star. The guys that uh, Alabama have are six-stars. I mean, they really can compete uh, with some of those NFL teams. I don't care what other people say. The guys that were on that field last night can compete with some of those NFL teams, I mean, from top to bottom. So it's just the way that they, uh, uh, the recruiting process, it's the programs, it's the things, the way they do things. And that's why you're going to see your Ohio State, your Notre Dames are going to start coming down here and putting a, um, a, a permanent recruiting coordinator, if they can do it, in Florida, in Georgia, and, in, and also in Texas and Alabama. I mean, that's where the... 
that's where the talent's at. Well, I, I'm going to be honest with you, and it goes all the way back, you know, to my days in high school. And, you know, when I came out of high school, born and raised in Canton, Ohio myself, I, I will say this and I'll stand up to this. You know, Ohio and Texas still puts out great football players. But when you look at those teams across the board, you got players that are coming from other parts of the country. You know, when I'm at Ohio State, we had guys that were from Florida. We had guys that were from California. We had guys that were from Texas, you know. Uh, and when you look at some of those teams down there in Florida now, they're starting to get some guys, you know, from Ohio. You know, they're starting to get some guys from Texas. Oregon is starting to get some guys from California. And so what it is, what it's all about, it's like anything. It's just like with your education. If you know that you want to go to, you want to be in business, and you're going to find out who's got the best business program, that's where you're going to go to school at. These young men are coming out to get a great education and also to prepare themselves also to play the best football they possibly can to see if they possibly could be ready for the National Football League. So where are you going to go to get that education at? Where are you going to get that training in terms of football? You're going to look at the SEC and you're going to look at right now it's Ohio State in the Big Ten. And, and then, of course, you got Texas. And I know you've got to say a little bit about Texas A&M now. I mean, come on. There was, oh, there was at least absolutely. at least one challenge that, that, that Alabama faced this year, and that was from Texas A&M. So I think Texas is still putting out some pretty good ball players as well. Well, I, I, I agree with you on that. And uh, just, to, just to bring it around, what you were saying about, you know, if you want to go to the best programs, well, let's just flip the basketball side. Those kids that know that they're only going to be in college one year, where do they go to school? They, they, they're going to Kentucky. They're going to Kentucky. And, and there's no doubt about that. And, and, you know, that's interesting that you, that you say that and you bring it in at the right time because, you know, there was something that, that happened last night as a result of, uh, Notre Dame, uh, losing that game and, and dropping, you know, down. Somebody else came, became number two. Uh, which meant that, you know, the Ohio State University, who possibly could have been number two, became number three. And there was, you know, compensation that was paid to a coach. And if you've got these programs and you're going to discipline these, uh, here's what I believe I'd, I'd like to see myself as, Corey, and I don't know if you find yourself this way or not, but certainly you have a son who's playing in the NBA now for the Dallas, uh, for the Mavericks. Sometimes college players, need somebody to speak up on their behalf. And I know we got Rick on hold. Rick, hold just one second. I'll let you join this, this conversation in a second. College players don't have a voice. They're silent. Somebody has to speak up for them. Now, I understand that when you identify amateur athletes, they're, they're normally identified as amateurs because they're not, the talent level is not as good as the professional level. Obviously, when you go to college for one year, and we know that there's some guys that before they change the rules was ever come straight out of high school and go to college. There are people concerned about, well, you can't open that floodgates because everybody's going to go straight to pros out of high school. No, you don't determine. I mean, come on, really, if you made the determination, we all would go straight from high school to pros. But we don't make that determination. Somebody assesses our talent level and then they perhaps maybe draft us. But my point is this. How can you and I'm not, I don't hate the coach. I hate the system. How can you reward a coach and give him a $150,000 bonus because his team finishes in the top 10 last night? And then the football team, who is supposed to be, again, suspended from participating in bowls, the players don't get rings. They don't get any of the benefits that go along with that. But the coach gets a $150,000 bonus. So I, I, I'm a little confused when it comes to the compensation 
we talked about basketball. The guys play one year in the course of basketball. They leave Kentucky and every place else, and they go after one year. Something's not right about this system and how athletes are being treated, Corey. Do you, do you have an opinion one way or the other about something yeah. needs to change? We could we could be here all day. I've been beating that drum for so many years. I'm glad you're beating I, it, Corey. I'm glad you're beating it. I get so tired of the people who who do do not go through what you put your body through in your time. And, and you did I too. Put my body through in my time for that school to make money. Yes, they gave me an education and I'm thankful for that. But I guarantee you I gave them a lot more than what they gave me. And I agree so, with that. My, so my whole thing is, is that, and I'm going to say this before I forget, because if I die tomorrow, if I could see this one thing happen, you know, God can take me away and I'll be forever happy. I would love for those kids, like you say, they don't have a voice. If they would wake up during March Madness and during, during the BCS Bowl Series, whatever, if the kids would just sit down and say, we're not playing until we get paid. That's all I want them to do. Corey, I like that. And I like that. As a matter of fact, I remember when I was early in my career, we were thinking about doing that. We went on strike in 1982, and I remember we were thinking about a preseason game that was like, we were supposed to go to the middle of the field, and we were going to sit down, and we were not going to play. We were going to go there in prayer, as a matter of fact. It did not happen, but, I, but I'm with you 200%. Because, see, when I read this definition of amateur status is that the talent is normally not as good as it is at the professional level well let's take a young kid that's an actor or an actress and they go to school and they also could be a singing talent or they could play an instrument and they go to school and they could still be in school studying but if they come out with a number one hit they get paid it's okay they can still go to school and still get paid because supply and demand if somebody is willing to pay you for that product that you produce and you can generate the revenue, then that's fine. And the only thing here is it's just some language of which somebody in some corner offices has come up with to keep these young men and young women as amateurs. And this, this is what it is as far as I'm concerned. It's business. And I'm yeah. sorry, but if, if McDonald's put out a product, if they had put out them chicken McNuggets and they didn't sell, McDonald's would have took them off the market and they would not be in a restaurant. They wouldn't continue to make them and they sit well, there and have to throw them away every night. Well, Ray, Ray, that's the same thing that if you didn't produce at Ohio State, they would have dropped you. That's it. That, and that's my point. We have something up called amateur sports. It's intramurals. Mm -hmm. That's amateur sports. Why do you want to classify College football, with all this revenue, I, I am looking at this sheet. It is embarrassing to me the amount of money that was thrown around, you know, as a result of these coaches getting bonuses that are already making for Urban Meyer. God bless you, man. If I had the job, I would take it too. Four million dollars, that's okay. But I'm just saying some of it needs to go to those players. You got well, other look, co coaches. I'll tell, tell you what they need to do. They always talk about that, that they give us an education. And I say us because I was one of them. I tell you what, I will, I guarantee you there's not a player on the University of Alabama roster that would not, in a heartbeat, give Nick Saban their books for his $5 million. Amen. Amen. And here's the thing about it. I, I agree with you because, and I think Nick feels this way too. I think there's no doubt in my mind that Nick feels that, you know what, there, there's something wrong about this. And just like, and I can't think of his name, but I'm sure you may know his name, Corey, the gentleman 
who is responsible for this whole endorsement thing. Sonny something. I can't think of Sonny. Sonny woke up one day and said, you know what? It's wrong. I'm just going to stand up and step out and tell the truth. It's, It's getting out of hand. I think one of these college football coaches, I know Woody Hayes would have did it. I know Bear Bryant would have did it. I know Bo Schimbecker would have done it. I know one of the Parsegan would have done it. Somebody needs to step up and say, okay, you know what? Enough is enough. This is too much. This is total manipulation of these young men and young women here. The, the, hey, the Ray, women, Ray, I got a question for you. What, what position did you play? I, I played at... At Ohio State, I played corner. When I went to pros, I played strong safety. Okay, now you're at Ohio State. You're going up to tackle whoever that speedy wide receiver from Michigan, and you hit him in such a way that it damages your brain. Okay, so now what happens to Ohio State taking care of you and your education and for the rest of your life? They're not going to do it. Thank you. They're not going to do it. As a matter of fact, that's another thing I want to advocate for. I want to advocate for it because there are high school students out there that that very picture you just painted is happening to every day. They take it to a period of time where they take care of them for a small period of time, and then they're left to take care of themselves. That, that should not be the case. There's enough money to go around. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about principle. How do you send me to school to get an education, to understand business? And then when I want to come back and look and say, wait, there's something wrong. Because when I look at what you're doing here is business, but these people here, you're classifying them instead of employees, you're classifying them as amateurs. There's something wrong with that. And so, I, Corey, we're on the same page, man. You're right. We need a whole nother show for this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break because when we come back, you and I are going to talk about We talked already about that game, and there wasn't much to talk about it besides the compensation. I'm happy for Nick and those folks because it really wasn't a football game. But we're going to talk a little bit about some basketball. I know that's your level of expertise, but you're a sportsman, and we're going to talk about football. But we're going to take a break right now. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with my man, Corey Crowder, former Jazz and Spurs. school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely despise are especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. We're back. This is Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix and living like it matters. Got my man Corey Crowder with me. Corey, of course, played for the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, Corey and I were talking a little bit before we went to break about, I guess we talked a little bit about that national championship game, of which it was no game. And then, of course, we talked about uh, the compensation. I, I forget exactly how much uh, Coach got paid last night. I don't know. Nate got paid a bonus of 110000 for coaching and 200000 I think it was, for winning. So last night he had a payday of $360,000 just for the game. And, of course, uh, I think it's his $5 million salary. Of course, he will uh, continue to reap the benefits of that. Happy for him and his wife, not hating the game, uh, hating the system. So, uh we will continue to advocate to try to see if we can get that system changed so that, you know, just like there's a Super Bowl when players get a little extra money for participating and winning the Super Bowl, perhaps maybe one day that could happen for uh, college players uh, because they certainly do deserve it. But uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the National Football League, if you will, uh, Corey, only because I'm going to get to basketball and I, we're going to have an extended conversation about that. But uh, a couple young men coming out of college, their first year pros, I got a chance to play against each other, uh, and, and I thought it was a, a damn good football game. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, we're talking about RG3 and, uh, and uh, Russell. And, uh, you know, RG3 came up hurt. Let, let me ask you this, Corey. In, in, in your mind, in your perspective, things have changed since you and I played the game. You know, it, it, I remember, and you played football in high school, I believe it was, and, 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 and you know, in high school back in our days, the coaches used to tell us, hey, get away from that water, don't drink that water, and even run up and down the basketball court, you know, drink too much water, you're going to catch cramps, you're going to get cramps. Obviously, they weren't educated enough to understand that you're going to become dehydrated. It's the dehydration that causes you to cramp, and not necessarily because you got an abundance amount of fluids in your body. I, I believe now... Again, the medical profession is a little bit more knowledgeable than they were when we played the game. So let me ask you this. Whether it's basketball or football, if there is a medical decision to be made, if an evaluation is taken, who do you think in your mind should make the decision if the player returns to play? Because you know how we are. We're warriors, man. We, You know, the old, you know, we've seen... Uh, uh, Willis come back on the uh, court back in the day. We've seen Charles Barkley on the foul line with his eye all closed up. You know, we've seen all those things. Do you think players need to be protected from themselves today? And if so, who makes the decision if a player returns? Does the coach do it? Does the um, medical staff do it? Does the front office do it? Who makes a decision? Does a player well, do it? That's a, that's, a, that's a good question, but, I mean, I, I personally think if the kid's knee was hurt, you know, it should have been a joint decision, uh, whether it's the medical staff or the coach. The health of the kid ultimately should be the most important. But me and you both know that RG3 has got to be on that field because he's got to sell tickets and put butts in seats. It's a business. And that's, that, and that's, you know, and that's the part of it that's so ugly is that it is a business. And, and, and the reason why we need to advocate for players is because Everybody's supposed to look at it like it's a business, except the guys 
that are in the business, and that's the ball players. They're supposed to look like they're entertaining people, and and their their priority should be you know to entertain the fans you know to the best of their ability. But I, I will say this, in my opinion, Corey, I I just think that listen. Because of the way we're a product of the environment. I remember Mike Tyson used to say he was trained to, you know, to do what he did to people in, in the ring. He, he was trained to do that. We're trained to play the game in a certain way, you know. And so sometimes you got to protect us from ourselves without us feeling that our jobs are in jeopardy. In corporate America, there were people who were compromised that were aware of certain situations that were going on within the business that perhaps maybe was illegal, but because they were in jeopardy of losing their job, they, were, they remained quiet and they went along with the system. That created what's called now the whistleblower's law, which protects those people from losing their job and allowing them to go ahead and provide information that will you know, reveal corruption. And, and sports... You're concerned that if you come out, you're going to lose your job. And so that's why I think a lot of athletes, and I don't think it's changed today. I think the athlete, again, I heard Robert Smith say sometimes intelligence is sometimes perceived to be weak. But, you know, a guy who doesn't, you know, show he's a little hurt and try to go a little bit extra, you know, is perceived to be somewhat weak. And sometimes it's criticized by his teammates, but certainly by the fans if he doesn't try to gut it out. Well, think about this. Think about what happened in, uh, and the cat wasn't even that hurt, but think about what happened in San Francisco. Uh, well, I mean, the, the, I mean, the guy, the, the, what's the guy, Alex Smith? Yes. Got hurt. Uh, Kaepernick came in. And, uh, have you ever heard anything that, about that, Alex Smith anymore? And, and that's a perfect example. And, and that's, you know, I, I gotta be honest, you know, I, I, that's what happened to me in college. You know, somebody, somebody got hurt. And then I got a chance to step in, but then when the person came back, somebody else, you know, lost a job. I kept my job, but that's uh, as an athlete, that's all we want to do is just just give me a chance, let me play, let me get on that field. I'm not gonna get off. But if if your talent is superior to your backup, then when you're healthy, you will get back into play. And that leads hey, me to another question: How I, many times? How many times, Ray, did you have a little knickknack injury? I mean, you probably could have set out, but if they shot you up with some type of novocaine or some type of anti-inflammatory, it would just make it feel like you're all right, and you went back out there and strapped it up and played. I did that so many times, cool. not knowing what it was the long, I mean, the long the term. lifelong effects it yeah. was going to have on my body. At the time that I was making money from using my body, I didn't care. But, but Cor, I will say this. I will say you didn't care, but I will also say it was a lack of information that you had in terms of being able to, you know, a person always told me, you know, give me the information, you know, and then I can make a decision. You know, the more information I have, the better decision I can make. And I believe you, that... There was a You're lack of information. Right, but I'm telling you, in the situation that I was in when I was in Europe and in the NBA, if that if that doctor knows that you should probably sit out and you probably had a lawsuit, but and the coach come back and they needed you, you were going to put them sneakers on unless something was broken. I, I will say this to you, uh, Corey, and that's what I think RG3 was trying to say to his coach. He said, Coach, there's a difference in me being injured and me being hurt. I, I, I believe in that. I believe, I, I believe there's no way you can play basketball and somebody elbow you, push you, you fall down, you twist your knee or something like that, and it doesn't hurt. 
But then you get injured to the point where you can't perform. Now, what happened to him Sunday was he got injured to the point where he couldn't perform at the end. Then he was brought out of the game. But I believe this. I believe that sometimes we got to put our egos aside. And if we at 65 or 75 percent is not as good as our backup at 100 percent and we know that and we trust our backup, we got to step aside. And I think RG3, when I saw the game yesterday, uh, well, Sunday, I felt that there were a couple plays that although he, as an example, he said to the coach, well, coach, I just ran it, but I got nine yards. You know, the coach should have said to him, the coach should have said that, yeah, I saw you get nine yards. But I also know that if you weren't hat, weren't hurt, that would have been a 19-yard game or a 29-yard game. So in my mind, you are you are hurting the team because, see, we would have had 29 yards instead of nine. And not only that, another time he got sacked, of which if he was healthy, he would have not, he would have been able to avoid that sack. And that's what I mean by sometimes I think we need to be protected from ourselves because we won't make that decision. He, he wouldn't come out until he had to come out where he couldn't even reach back to grab the ball. And, and that, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Let me move on to something else uh, as it relates to football. And I'm going to ask you about RG three and, and football. And, and of course uh, uh, he and uh, Russell Wilson went after that. There, something out there online. Uh, there's a, a guy who made a song, of course, you know, Charlie Wilson uh, from, from the gap band back in the day. Uh, you know, used to have a nice little thing about his name. And so they got something out there about Russell. Uh, it's a nice little piece, you know, um, Russell, last name Wilson. So, so check that out on Facebook if you guys get a chance to see that. But um, do you think his career, if, if his career is over, and that's RG3, um, how do we look at that? How, 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 do, how do we as fans look at that in terms of do we now change our opinion as to, okay, how coaches should deal with players and injuries? If that's a career-ending injury, do we change our, our, our perspective? And I'm asking you this for this reason, because you're a father of an NBA player, and I know that gives you three different perspectives. I'm putting you on the spot right now, Corey. I'm enjoying this conversation. I bet you that gives you three different perspectives. And let me, let me give you the three. That gives you one as a, a person who's been there and done that. That gives you one as a former player who's done that, and now a father who's done that. So you, you, there's some people you could eliminate at the first one, and that is they never did it. And then the second one, you know, they're not a former player. And then the third one, they're not the parent of a former. You got all three different, and I think because I know each one of those scenarios gives you a different perspective when you look in this and assess or evaluate any situation. Do you look at things totally different now as your son runs up and down that basketball court than you did when you played the game? I actually look at, I actually look at, believe it or not, because I grew up playing football and I, that was my first love. I, I can honestly tell you that I look at football differently now than when I played and I loved it. And I see the, the, the after effects of these guys and the injuries. And then, that they have to actually have a lawsuit to ask for help with their medical stuff, it really soured me. So I don't even get enjoyment out of looking at football no more, thinking that I see what they're doing to their bodies. And all these little calls with the guys, uh, helmet-to-helmet contact, I mean, are you serious? Now you're going to start doing that? Mm-hmm. You should have been doing that 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And so now back to my son, um, you know, going through basketball and knowing uh, what it does to your body and then me playing and everything, I don't look at it any different. I know what he's putting his body through. 
Uh, he's a grown man now, so I can't tell him not to do it. Um, the one thing that I'm gonna, the one thing that I do want to stress to him is that uh, this is money that you're making off of your back. So you, if you don't do the right thing with this money, you can never ever replace it, and you're gonna you're gonna end up with bad health. So at least you're making money doing this for only a period of time. Now you got to do something smart with this money to make sure that uh, it was worth it for you to put your body through that punishment. Because everything we do as professional athletes is not normal to the body. Nothing. That's why a lot of us die of heart attacks or we got back problems or knee problems and everything because it's not normal. So I, I don't look down on what he's doing. I don't. Look down on anybody else who want to uh, chase the uh, uh, the life of a professional athlete. The only thing that I'm saying is that you're killing your body, and if you get out of that and you end up divorced and you end up with eight or nine kids that you're going to have to pay for for 18 years and you end up with no money, what have you really accomplished? Yeah, I, I will say so, one thing. I'm sure you look at it a little bit different, Corey. I'm a, I, I will. I'm going to challenge you on this one though. When he you know, goes up and, 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 and is going to throw it down hard as he can. And somebody comes in and, and takes one of them hard files and he falls from unprotected from up in that air, more than 10 feet up in that air, and he falls down. Mm, I think the heart skips a little beat then. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I, I may get angry, you know. I mean, that's, if, <laughs> if it's a dirty play, absolutely. If it's something that the guy didn't mean to do it, you know, I, I look the other way. I, I play too, and I, I don't mean to hurt anybody. Right, right. And if a guy intentionally tries to take him out, oh, no, no that's a fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to get up and you got to swing on that. But if it's in the middle of the course of play and it's normal, that's that's the best part of the game. Okay, I good. mean, I've seen some hits in the NFL. You know, if the if the wide receiver did not duck their head, the guy would not have not would have been a helmet to helmet contact, and the the defensive guy is the one that get penalized. Hey, how easy? Yeah. Hey, listen, we've got a gentleman who's been holding on. He's been wanting to join oh, us oh, for something. It's me now. Uh, he's been wanting to join us for some time. I believe Rick. Rick, are you there? Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year! I believe you're breaking up a little bit. You on the cell phone there, Rick? Yes, I am. Is this better? Uh, that's a little bit better. Go right ahead. Did you have a comment or uh, or a statement you wanted to uh, provide to the uh, commentary? That uh... well, I wanted to say hello to Corey. And, hey, Rick, uh, how are you? How are you doing, Corey? Good. And first off, I wanted to wish um, both of you Happy New Year's. And a shout-out from Jennifer to your beautiful daughter, Gabrielle, also, uh, Ray. Oh, well, I, I certainly appreciate that, Rick. Yeah, we wanted to... Um, Wish both of you guys Happy New Year's. I just wanted to tag on to the point that you guys talked about earlier, if I may, about us athletes as competitors. As Ray know, I played football, I'm also a martial artist, uh, Corey, for over 47 years. That's right. And um, have trained UFC fighters all the way from Tank Abbott, Tito Ortiz, Rampage, all the guys. Um, one of the things the MMA, I know it's not football or basketball, but one of the things the MMA did, is in boxing, you know, the old white towel used to be the protector for the fighter. So, because as fighters or as athletes, you know, we're going to go until we lose a limb or we break an arm. We're, we're still going. Right. Okay, because that, that's just how we don't enter into a football contest unless we're that type of guy. We don't enter into a basketball game unless we're that type of guy. You don't go into a cage unless you're that type of guy. So there's protection out here. We have athletic trainers. 
We have uh, we have uh, uh, trainers in the corners that throw in the towel. They think our guy is getting, you know, is, you know, what, what. The MMA found that the white flag was, or the white towel wasn't even coming in quick enough. So now who makes that decision is actually the referee in the ring. So what I would say regarding football and all that, whether somebody's injured or hurt, why don't we start looking at some referees? Why don't we have referees out there closer to the players than even the coaches? Why don't we have a referee determine, hey, you know what? You might sit out a quarter. Well, you, you might sit out this game. Hey, Rick, you, you know, know that, that, that that's interesting what you bring up there, and, and it's something that's never been done that I'm aware of, it, it, with the exception of, in football, when there's a guy who's trying to get off the field or it's obviously that his bell has been rung and he can't make his way off the field, they do step in, call the timeout, and, of course, the medical staff has to come out. But right. I, I'm right. not – Because in the MMA, see, what was happening is you guys were getting choked out, broken arms, everything else. They were – nobody was throwing in the, the white towel because the fighter told him, don't throw in the white towel. Let me go to I'm tapped out. Let me go to I'm not breathing. Let me go – let me lose a, a, an arm. Let me lose a leg. I want to fight till I lose or I win. Well, the MMA came in, the UFC, head by Dana White, and said, you know what, we're, we're taking that out of the hands of the trainer. We're putting it into the guy that's closest to the scene, closest to the actual pain of those players or those competitors, and that's the referee. So the referee will stop a fight way before that white cow ever comes in now MMA. All I'm suggesting is, is maybe we might want to look at some of those referees and, and I played middle linebacker for seven years. I didn't play at a professional level, but I played up to pro, uh, college. I can tell you right now, there were times that referees looked at me and they said, are you okay? Are you okay? My coaches never asked me, but the referees asked me a few times. Hey, Corey, I'm going to ask you that. Do you think that would ever happen in, in, in football, basketball, hockey? you think that would ever happen? Well, here's, here's the thing, and I, I like what Rick is saying. I really do. Uh, we all know that no decision is going to be made unless it comes from the top. There is not one owner who's making millions of dollars off of our backs is going to tell you to take his star player that everybody came to see off that field. So no way are they going to give that referee that type of power. If so, okay. they can do it tomorrow, right? Right. They could. They you're you're, 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 you're they right. Can, they, all they all they got to do is get in, get into one of those owners' meetings. That's any sport, even even the top brass of the NCAA. All they have to do is get into a meeting and say, "This is how it's going to be. If the guy is on, you make sure you call a timeout and you get him off that field." Now, I want to take my hat off to Dana White. Why? Because I hope that he understands that he's hurting his product by letting these guys get broken up. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, I, was, you know, John Wood, rest in peace, but he said something that stays to my heart, Ray and Corey, forever. And he says this, discipline yourself so others don't have to. Now, being a martial artist, we have a triangle, humility, self-confidence, humility, confidence, and self-discipline don't make you a male, but one day will make you a man. What most of us men lack is self-discipline. So what happens, we get into a competitive nature, whether it's a fight, whether I'm in a cage fighting for my life, or I'm on a football field trying to tackle some big Freeman McNeil back in the 70s, okay? Me and Ray talked about it. We played around the same day. I played with Kevin Williams and the Charles Whites and all those big cats, okay? You give everything you have, okay? 
But mm-hmm. you're not thinking right because you're a competitor. You're instinctively out there to compete. You've won your job. You're the number one. You're not on the bench, and you don't want to lose it. Like Ray said, once that, once he went from a two to a one, he never stepped back. He stayed a one. What Dana White did, though, is for the protection of those individual fighters, he said, you know what, I'm not taking, I'm, I'm taking out of train. I'm taking out all the subjectiveness out of it. This is going to be objective now. Hey, Corey, let me just, I'm sorry, uh, Rick, let me just say something there because you're bringing something home to me because it, it reminds me of back in the day, and I'm not going to talk about me in particular. I'm just going to talk about situations. It's very interesting that we're talking about the MMA and, and, and other contact sports where it appears to me that in every contact sports with football, ex- with the exception of today, is the generation that we all are from, you can get knocked out in football and come back and play a game. In fact, that happened to a lot of guys, the little smelling sauce stuff that we, I don't even know what the hell the smelling sauce was. What, was it ammonia? What was it? But they allowed players to actually be knocked out in a football game, unconscious, and come back and play. In boxing, it's over. Any other sport, it's over. Basketball, it's over. Baseball, you're going to the hospital. And so were these people, I mean, were we really looked at as gladiators? I mean, medical professionals have been on the sidelines of football games since football's been around, why would they allow that to happen? And again, again, as an employee, your approach is a lot different, and you're not going to stand up and, and, and speak out when you're a part of a system. So why do you think these people would look back now and, and say, like the tobacco industry did, that, you know, no harm, no foul? Why, how, how could they consciously say that? And particularly, Corey, let me say that to you, because, see, I again, I think when you have a child that's involved, you look at it differently. There are some coaches that have sons that are coaching now. Maybe some of them, certainly uh, uh, Brother Manning, uh, Archie, his two sons, I'm sure he's concerned about it and the way they treat athletes today. But these people have to have a conscience, and they have to learn to step up and create systems that will take care of these athletes. And, Rick, I like what you said. I just don't know if the NFL in particular would ever adopt a system like that because, you know, you take some of the greatest players out of the game. They're all great. But right. you, you take out, you know, one of those skill position players in a two-minute drill because he gets clocked. And, and, and you know, man, the game's over. <laughs> he can't come back no, in. No, 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 I understand. And, it, you know, the controversy, even in, in the UFC, um, it, was, it was a battle. And, and uh, basically who won out was the athlete. And in the long run, like with RG3, I mean, I'm praying to God that that man is not injured for his career. Yeah. I'm praying to God that he gets well. I'm praying to God that all the athletic trainers, if they're hearing me, and Rick Bergholder is one of my best friends in this planet, Rick, okay, gather all your resources and help that young man. Because not only is he good for football, I think he's good for all the young cats because he carried himself like a professional of 10 years this year. And uh, I, I was sad to see that happen. Hey, listen, guys, we got to take a break. Guys, I want you to know, you know that it starts at the top. The, the, the trainers are not going to hold that guy out of the game with fear of losing his job. Hey, Corey, hold on one second. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and finish the show. Hey, Rick, don't you go anywhere. You know we're going to talk I'm about your, your good I'm friend. Going, I'm here with you and Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Reed is your good friend who is now in That's Kansas right. City. You listen to Rail That's of Sports right. on the Voice America Network. We're going to take a real quick break and come okay. back. Be sure to come back with us. Thank you. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise or especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Railing Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in my fast forward, real speed voice right now because the show and my s i got my sec voice on right now because we got bigger stronger faster as as uh of course they say on damien anderson's show but i want to ask i gotta ask rick one question and and i gotta ask rick because i was expecting rick's call because i, I want to hear a little bit of uh personal perspective from knowing the man i want to make sure that rick who knows andy Reid, that andy's okay and that we can expect some good football out of the folks and the football team in Kansas City. And, and it's interesting to me, Rick, that he ended up in Kansas City because there's already a shadow going on with some of the stuff that happened there and that Andy would find himself there because I actually thought Andy Reid was going to end up here in Arizona. Rick, just tell me, you think he's going to be okay? Don't have to tell me if you've talked to him personally, but just from a fan's perspective, you think he's going to be okay? And can he get back to being what I think is one Super Bowl win away from being a Hall of Fame coach? Okay, well, just as you did, I thought he was going to end up as a Cardinal. Um, I wanted him to be a Charger only because I'm selfish and I wanted to be able to uh, walk right down the street anytime I wanted to and see him. Uh, I am a little surprised he ended up in Kansas City. Um, I think overall um, it was the best fit for him, and here's why. I think he needs that small town again like Green Bay. I think he needs that small. Um, he told me something uh, two years ago that blew my mind. He says there's only three stadiums he fears going into play, and that is Green Bay, into Philadelphia if he wasn't an Eagle, and into, into the big red zone of Kansas City. So it is funny that he ended up, uh, started with Green Bay, went to Philly, and now he's at the, the other third place. But I think he's going to do a great job. He's already assembled a staff and a half, Ray, that's going to blow away the National Football League when you finally see who he's got on his sidelines with him. And he is more fired up than ever. 
I was praying as we talked in Phoenix when we saw each other. I was actually praying that once it happened that he actually took a year off, took a little bit of that free money, Corey, you know, take a year yeah. off, right, and then come back. But after speaking with him, it's like falling off that bike or going through a dojo or going through any kind of exercise, that muscle memory. He didn't want to lose that memory. So uh, he, he jumped right back on the horse. And uh, I think Kansas City got the best man they could. I, I know the town's excited. Andy's excited. He's got his staff together. And even though it's hard for me to say because I've been saying go Eagles for 14 years now, it's go Chiefs. Well, you know what, I, I would say this, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he's with Kansas City. If that's where his fear is, if you can't beat him, join him. And he's already right. been to those other two stadiums, so he'll go back there and it'll, and it'll be a different, when he goes back into those stadiums now, he, of course, will be embraced. They, 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 everybody would, everybody loves Andy Reid. I, you know, he's the kind of guy yeah. that everybody likes him. You know, very few people, you know, there are coaches out in the NFL. Bill Belichick, nobody likes Bill Belichick, you know. Bill's no. a great coach, but nobody no. likes no. Bill Belichick, no. you know. No. But Andy no. Reid, I think, yeah. and it's not even because of the fact that what happened with his, with his son. I just think that Andy's the kind of guy that you can embrace and, and you want to see him win. But that, let's move on, guys. So we're going to talk about that. I, I got, I got Corey here. So Corey, I got to talk to you and of course rick you can join in on this if you yeah. if you get a second but we don't have too many minutes here the lakers you know you got kobe bryant and and and, and then of course you got steve nash and, and you got superman and you got some issues with chemistry going on here you know are we are we going to be able to see the lakers go far into the playoffs anymore what kobe bryant is a part of this team that's one of my questions number one no and wow. And then number two is, is Kobe going to retire a Laker? And is this, could this possibly, the lack of chemistry, push him into retirement earlier than we might have anticipated? I personally hope so. He's killing the team, man. He's a, Kobe's an old, and this is just my perspective from an ex-player, and I can speak it because I've walked that walk. I'm out as good as he is now. Amen. But Kobe's, Kobe's an old diva. And he's killing the team because he's not willing to share. He's not personable. He's not trying to carry on relationships with the guys. It's his way on the highway, and that's why uh, they can say whatever they want about There wasn't a fight in the locker room the other night. But I'm telling you, if you see that scroll across the bottom of that ESPN, it happened. They can deny it, but it happened. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, that, that's so interesting that you say that, Corey, because, you know, I've heard a few guys talk. There's been a few things in locker room. Listen, man, I've done some things myself uh, in locker rooms that never made it to the press, you know, but certainly the fact that there's a lack of chemistry and we're going to hold Kobe accountable, what can they do to fix this team? Can I, I, I jot in here for a second yeah, on that, Ray? Please, go ahead, Rick. What do you think? And, 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 and Corey, no disrespect, because you're going to probably agree with this, Corey, but back in the day when they brought Gary in, big GP, they brought Carl, they had Kobe, they had Shaq, they didn't do nothing. It was the same scenario. I'm born and raised in L.A. I'm an old forum guy. In fact, I played at a halftime game when the Cincinnati Royals played the Lakers in 1969. And, and, and the two best friends were Jerry West and Oscar Robinson shooting free throws before the game even started and, and having a great time. Um, they're not going to win a single thing with that group. There's no chemistry. Number one team sport in this world, we both know, is football. Number two is basketball. 
team well, sport. Let me ask I'm you something. You, Corey. Okay, so let me ask you this, then. I'm, I'm glad you chimed in on that because, Corey, I want to know, could the, could the fix simply have been, because I don't think it's going to be, bringing in Phil Jackson? Was that the fix? Would that have made it happen for Kobe, possibly? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't like to keep harping on Kobe because the team is bigger than him. He don't. He don't think so. But I do. I think Phil would have helped because Phil can keep his ego in check. But he would have done wonders in that uh, triangle offense for Dwight and also uh, with, with Gasol. I'm just thinking that there's a lot of discontent. You know, you try to hire, uh, hire uh, Dan Tony to come in and put a Band-Aid on a machete wound, and it's just not going to happen when you got those young legs in Oklahoma and you got um, you got Houston that's not that bad. I mean, you got a lot of teams that everything, no matter what anybody say, has to go through Miami. Until you stop that big bull they got in 6'8", 275-pound LeBron James that runs like a deer. Ohio in the house. <laughs> so we can, we can have all the conversations that you want. Uh can, do you think they can compete with a Miami? Heck no. All they, right. don't, they don't have a strong enough bench. They can't even get out of the West with San Antonio and Oklahoma City. It ain't happening. Okay, I got I got a pro ball player on here. I can't let him go without asking another question that you can, you can only find out if you've been in the locker room. Did Melo cross the line with him and KG? Was that too Was that too much for him to carry that off the basketball court into close to the locker room, outside, near the bus, did Melo overstepped the line? I'd say yes, but I've seen a lot worse. And if I was his teammate, I'd have been right behind him. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I But say KG's yes, playing KG, the game the way KG, he's always played me. the game. KG's KG always KG played the game. A physically. little bit too much. And then the heat of the game, you know, that guy, I mean, I don't know. I would have went right behind him. I'd probably been fighting too. But, Corey, let me say this. I mean, I think, I think that what KG did is KG did exactly what he wanted to do, and that is he got up under his skin. He took him out of his game mentally, and, you know, once you, they take you out mentally, the game is over. He couldn't concentrate. Right. Melo couldn't play ball because he wanted to fight more than he wanted to play. That's You're right. absolutely right. right, and that's part of KG's game. If you fall right. into that trap, you know, that's what you get. It, I, I know it could have been a little bit more personal for him to take it that far Something else happened. Oh yeah, can you? Know you, did, you know nothing. His wife, his mama, his kids, something else well, happened. He well, you know what? I, 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 here's the thing about it. You know, as ball players, I think we respect enough that we, we we got enough respect, but enough disrespect that normally it's not the wife, because the wife may not get you that mad, but the mama. <laughs> mm. <laughs> don't be talking about the don't, mama. Don't be talking about the mama. You you see LeBron's mom come out the stairs. Mamas will do things that other people will not. You know, and so listen. I, well, I just think this. Some of us didn't have a mom like me, so you talk about my mom. You really hurting me? No, no. We all had moms. They no doubt we couldn't have come into this earth. Now we we may not have had dads, or we may not have known dad. Well, my but my grandmother raised me, Ray. Yeah, uh, but but I understand that. We 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 understand right. that. But listen, guys. Listen, I really enjoyed you guys on the show. Y'all gonna have to come again because I've enjoyed I, you so much, Ray. And and, and Corey, it's been an honor. And I didn't catch where you we, we were from, Corey. Where were you born? I, I was born in Georgia. I live in Florida. Oh, man, that's a little bit of SEC he throwing in there now. I want everybody out there, we talk about the Ohio State University and the Big Ten. As a matter of fact, it's basketball <laughs> season coming up, too, here. So y'all keep your eyes out on the Big Ten. Hey, thank you guys for joining me. Of course, you, Corey. man, God thank you guys you, for calling in. Same to you. Again, Ray. All right, Have Rick. I again. appreciate that. Listen, you guys.
Corey Crowder. Thank you. God bless you. Happy New Year. Former Jazz and San Antonio Spur. And, of course, his son now, Jay, is playing with the Dallas Mavericks. It's been yeah. a great show. I really appreciate it. You guys got to come back and listen to me again next week. I'm always here every Tuesday, 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Of course, that's Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. It's my time. I got to go. So I'll see it's you next honor, time, Ray. which will it's be the best time. Thank you there, Rick. Really appreciate Thank it. You Take care. Brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.